welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus, I'm your host, and joining me on the show today, we have author of numerous YA novels and the middle grade best-selling Polar Bears Explorers Club, Alex Bell, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, what we like to do with all our new authors when we get to know them is, you know, chat to them about like how they got involved how they started writing and a little bit about their journey up to where they are today so I don't know if you want to take us away with that uh sure um well I mean I've always enjoyed writing um so I started off writing stories when I was at school um sort of short stories and just snippets of things really um and then when I got to being a teenager I started to sort of take it a bit more seriously so um I wrote my first book when I was 17 at college and sent it off very excitedly to uh all the agents who of course rejected it because it wasn't very good um but it still taught me you know how to sort of actually get a whole novel down on the page and all of that kind of thing um so then I started uh, a law degree and that really kind of incentivized me to make even more of an effort with my writing so that I didn't get sucked into a law career um so when I was 18 I wrote my second book and that did get me an agent uh but still not a publisher um so when I was 19, I wrote my third novel and that one finally did get me a publishing deal with Galanks. So, yeah, I did, I did start quite, quite young, um, but I was lucky as well with, you know, sort of getting an agent at the point that I did and everything. So, I mean, I, at university, I was barely managing to conquer my essays, let alone writing a novel. I mean, that's, that's such a fantastic achievement. <laughs> Well, I was I was a big nerd, so I don't I, I wasn't the most popular person at university. I spent a lot of time sat in the corner of a library tapping out novels. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot worse ways to spend the time. But that was uh, predominantly YA sort of influenced that sort of scene. The, the first book I did at college was YA. Um, <clears throat> the second one that my agent picked me up on was actually an adult comic fantasy, um, which is my fav- my favourite tone of voice really for writing. But the publishers all said, um, well, a lot of them said that they liked it, but that it was very difficult to compete with Terry Pratchett, which is fair enough. The third one that actually did get published was an adult novel um, that was a, a sort of supernatural thriller. Yeah, I mean, you can't compete with the man himself. You can't, uh, no. <laughs> but that actually then spanned into, uh, I mentioned Wire there, because they did span into stuff like uh, Frozen Charlotte, for, for instance, definitely start to take off your career a bit more uh, sort yeah. of strongly. And that sort of then led us into sort of like a younger demographic, which is where, of course, we find the Polar Bears Explorers Club, um, which was such a hit a couple of years back, really took off very popular. I wonder uh, where some of the inspiration from that came from, because it is it's quite, uh, not quite niche, but it's quite a unique, fresh take on fantasy. Yeah, um, well, I, I started uh, writing the Polar Bear Explorers Club um, shortly after I'd done quite a few horror novels in a row, YA horror novels, um, Frozen Child that you mentioned and two others. And I, I really like writing horror, but it is quite sort of um, intense. And I, I was out of contract again, so I thought, well, you know, it's always a good opportunity just to kind of write what you want and please yourself at that point, um, which is which is quite freeing, really. And I just fancied writing something that was completely different. I'd written down the title in a notebook where I just tend to write down sort of ideas and, and titles and things. And I'd actually thought that the um, title sounded like it would be quite a nice one for um, for like an adventure book. 
Um, but I actually originally started writing it as a YA. Um, and I think I got maybe a third of the way through and uh, it just, it wasn't quite working. Um, it, it just would have needed to have been more serious and, uh, you know, a bit more angsty and probably people, someone would have had to have died. And I didn't really want it to be like that. I wanted it to be more sort of snowy and magical and, uh, you know, really like the books that I enjoyed reading when I was a child. So like the sort of Enid Blyton faraway tree type, um, type stories. So I, I was a bit unsure about writing middle grade because I'd obviously never done it before and I wasn't reading much middle grade back then. But I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll just sort of have a go at rewriting the beginning and and see if it's a better fit or not. And it really seemed to me like it was. So and I just enjoyed it so much, like so much more than I was expecting to really. Um, I felt like it gave me more sort of freedom to really bring lots of magic and adventure and friendship and warmth into the book. So, yeah, it just came from sort of, you know, like a whim, really, um, of just trying to entertain myself whilst I was out of contract. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's, you know, right uh, for the first audience. We are, as writers, you are your own first audience. But um, I'm going to latch on to something you mentioned there about the magical, because wow, uh, the Polar Bears Explorers Club has magic by the bucket loads. And it hits you right on the first page where we start talking about uh, snow fairies and yetis and uh, pet polar bears and stuff. I want to uh, explore a little bit about how you sort of came about sort of melding because some of them are quite conventional with, you know, you think explorers and polar bears and stuff like that. Fair enough. But yetis and like fairies, like where did that first amalgamate where I'm going to take these these core fantasy elements and give them this beautiful snowy touched, I guess a snowy touched version. Yeah, um, well, I think it just comes again from wanting to um, just amuse myself, really. Um, I enjoyed the sort of things with like the polar bears and and all of that kind of thing and things like yetis as well, like sort of just putting my own spin on it. But I also wanted to try and put something in a book that I didn't think children would have come across before. Um, so like the carnivorous cabbages, for example, you know, I sort of thought I'd, I'd made them up. So I thought unless someone else happens also to have made them up and I just haven't come across them in a story, then hopefully this will be a new thing for children. Um, because I think it's always really fun to come across something completely new um, in the pages of a story. And uh, the, the cabbages in particular, kids always ask me about at school and when they write to me and stuff. So, yeah, it really is just sort of trying to entertain myself and thinking, well, what would be a cool thing for them to find next and what's going to make their life difficult now and what's interesting. And uh, it's just it's just so much fun being able to do that in a fantasy world. Absolutely. And another reason for us not to eat our vegetables. There you go. They might might be carnivorous. <laughs> so, uh, exactly. uh, but uh, the other thing that really stands out through, I mean, not just the first book, but definitely the first book, but through the entire series is the, the the strength in the characters, because the characters really drive the plot and they're absolutely fantastic. Stella is just an amazing, she's such a, as well, I think she's, uh, I guess she's sort of like a, not revolutionary, but she's, she's sort of a figure, a, an emulation of a figure really, because she stands for this difficult time period where she's on the outside wanting to become an explorer but she can't because she's excluded for being a girl visionary I think is the word I, I actually wanted um I wondered you know how whether you always wanted Stella to be an inspiring character an inspirational protagonist or whether it just so happened that she became this powerful female character um yeah well I I mean I'm always sort of I guess trying to make life a bit more difficult for my characters because you know that's kind of why we're reading about them in the first place isn't just for them to coast through and have no difficulties to overcome so you know I wanted there to be various reasons why she couldn't go along on the expedition and uh I liked the idea of her father being a really supportive um parent type so you know the problem wasn't really stemming from him but from something bigger than than him um, so, yeah, I wanted to make it difficult for her to join, sort of give her the chance to prove how much she wanted to do it. And also, you know, yeah, when she's on the expedition, she's obviously aware that she's the first girl and she's there's a lot riding on it. And she has to prove herself and sort of find her space with the others. 
so it just made her journey more interesting to me really than if she'd just sort of strolled in you know and been given the place from nothing yeah yeah and absolutely and you write how she's uh she grows a lot as well over the course of the three books um but i also wonder as well she's she's challenging into this world where this life of explorer she gives us a unique vehicle as the reader to see as she's learning these things for the first time or she's experiencing them for the first time which gives us that i wonder if you had to go and explore uh explore about whether you had to explore some of the arctic expeditions or the antarctic expeditions you know of history to get a real good feel for the the sort of vibes of those early explorers and then stella's expedition i did yeah um i mean i I find that with the research it can be a really nice kind of way to sort of round out your own um sort of sense of of what the world is like and all this kind of thing um and part of actually what um what also inspired polar bears was i happened to watch this um documentary over christmas about just forgotten hit blanked on his name but it's it was an explorer in america who was the first man to sail the length of the grand canyon um at a a time when everyone said well you know it can't be done the colorado rapids are too dangerous um he'd returned from the war with only one arm so everyone said you know even more so it's, it's not a good idea um, but he was just absolutely, you know, determined wow. to do it. Um, and he put together, he couldn't get funding. So he had to put together his own little team to, you know, and fund all himself. And, you know, and they did, they did manage to do it. Most of them, I think two men did um, disappear and nobody knows quite what became of them. But it was just this kind of single minded uh, determination that that some of these people had and have, you know, still today, I just think it's really interesting. So um, so yeah, I did. I bought some books about explorers and read, you know, some accounts about about some of the expeditions and things. And that definitely, even though obviously polar bears is a very different world and and all the rest of it, it just helped to kind of I think capture the spirit of exploration and why people do this in the first place. Yeah, it does. I think there are some real, really nice elements there on like the sort of like the the lengths people will go to sort of like achieve these sort of like these great feats. Um, yeah. But you have also interwoven such a, a challenging story underneath, especially when we get to the ending. I don't want to spoil it in, it in case anyone's read it, but the ending of Polar Bears and the way it moves into book two. Were you always going in going, this is a multiple book thing? Or was it just so happened that you had this great idea for an ending, you know, what do they always say? It's a standalone with uh, series potential, or was this always going to be a series? Well, I mean, I always hoped that it would be a series, but I mean, um, obviously I was writing it out of contract and by then I had been, you know, published professionally for, I don't know, six or seven years. So I, I knew enough about how it worked to know that it may never get published at all. And even if it did, it might just be the one book. So, um, you know, I, I'd always try with something like that to give a, a satisfying enough ending that if it stayed at that, um, readers wouldn't feel cheated. But, but if I was lucky enough, the publisher did say we'd like more then I would be there ready to say, well, I know what I can do for book two. Um, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that took us into the Explorers on Witch Mountain, uh, which is book two. And we're going to touch quickly upon book two and book three. Book three was, is the Explorers on Black Ice Bridge. Now, that storyline and the way that progresses along, uh, very much uh, growing Stella as a character, but also her friends, especially what happens. I'm thinking of like what happens to Shay in particular. You know, the growth of the characters, they really do become a real close knit, uh, a tight group of friends and I wonder that message of friendship running through is that something that uh, you've always tried to or something that you've had from your own life that there's some friends who are important to you or friends or family that are you're quite close-knit to? Um, Yeah I mean I think obviously um, if you've known someone for a long time then straight away there is sort of a deeper bond because you've had more shared experiences and and all of that kind of thing and I mean certainly when I was a a child and reading books like Inner Blyton or or J.K. Rowling's stuff I I was drawn to the friendship um, element of it 
and so wanted to be part of you know the, the group that were doing the faraway tree adventures or the, the Harry Potter type things but um so yeah that was part part of what I wanted to do was to create like a friendship group that I could that you know readers hopefully would think oh I'd like to be friends with them I'd like to be in that gang going on those adventures I think it adds some um, sort of more interest and warmth than if it's uh just you know just an adventure with without without all of that and it, and it means you can have higher stakes too because like you say if something happens to one of the characters or one of them's imperiled then the others are going to do everything they can to you know to help save them and it just I think it just adds an extra element to the story really absolutely now moving the story along we are now going to look at the new book now set in the same world we are looking at the ocean squid explorers club and a new character ursula i wonder if you want to just talk us through some of the inspirations some of the ideas you had of coming up with this new series yeah well um because there are four explorer clubs in the polar bear explorers club books um i'd always sort of hoped that i might be able to do um an ocean squid one um, partly because um, there was a, a main character in the Polar Bear books who's from Ocean Squid, so we see bits of that club anyway. Um, it's kind of known as being a bit of the bad club. Um, they don't sort of always... Uh, the Slivering the Club, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, when I used to go into schools and things, sometimes kids would ask me about the Ocean Squid Club. It seemed to be the one that did sort of stick out to them. But I also just thought that the scope for being able to have like underwater adventures and submarines and especially mermaids, because I was just obsessed with mermaids when I was a kid, um, really appeals to like the child in me as well. And I thought um, also it'd be sort of totally different from the snowscapes and things that we had in polar bears. So it would have its own sort of atmosphere. Yeah, it does definitely have that. And I was lucky enough, the lovely people, Bethany at Faber and Faber, gave me an advanced copy to sort of sink my teeth into. And just with St- just like with Stella, I uh, instantly fell in love with uh, Ursula's character because, I mean, where Stella has this sort of like open-eyed wonderment to it, Ursula's a little bit more gritty. And I was trying to think of a, a good word to describe her. And I'd say she's got moxie is how I, I would choose to describe Ursula. I, I wonder where her character inspiration came from. Um, well, with Ursula, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that she wasn't just um, sort of a copy of Stella. So she has obviously a very different background, you know, where Stella has a, a really loving father and quite a, quite a privileged sort of upbringing and a you know beautiful home and fantastic pets. Ursula basically sort of has none of that and she's kind of on her own. Um, but she also has the sort of um, slightly unusual uh, experience of growing up at the Ocean Squid Explorers Club. And uh, she has, you know, the interest in the, the mechanics of behind the submarines and things like that but she does share with Stella that she also wants to be an explorer and is inspired by Stella's success to try and you know make it work and of course um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that she's part mermaid so um, she has that as being you know her sort of special unique thing that the uh, that Stella you know has the ice princess um, element and I really wanted to do a mermaid story because I just love mermaids. Absolutely. And so I think really, if you are into sort of mermaidy stories, or you know, you want more sort of content from the world of Polar Bears Explorers Club, but with a slightly different edge to it, uh, that's to look out for. It's just been released this month uh, in February. So brand new. It's on the show. You can go and grab it now. Uh, We also have maybe something exciting at the end of this. But before we get to that, I want to talk about what you're currently working on. I assume that there's going to be more Ocean Squeak coming, but are we looking forward to anything else in the pipeline? Um, yeah, well, there's uh, there's planned to be two more Ocean Squid um, books. I'm well, I'm working on a couple of things um, at the moment. Really, I'm uh, I'm juggling <laughs> juggling projects, but um, I'm I'm doing another YA horror, um, which I'm looking forward to getting back to because I've not done that for a while. And I have an adult book out later on this year. Wow! So you've been keeping busy in lockdown. Busy, busy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, with the uh, the books, uh, book I guess it's book 
five and six or, or two or three, however you want to see it, uh, of ocean squids. Is there anything we can particularly look forward to? Is there any details you can give us, sort of like any nuggets? Ah, um, well, I have written book two. Um, so I'm just trying to remember what, what I can say about that. Um, well, there'll definitely be more pirates in book two. So, um, and there may even be a pirate fairy. Uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're into pirates, then book two will be for you. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Sign me up. I'm ready for that. Oh, that's fantastic. So sounds like we got some undersea adventures to look forward to as well as potentially coming back to if you guys have loved Alex's YA horror, some more of that goodness to come to. But speaking of goodness, we're out of this week's goodness because we've come to the end of today's podcast. But before we go anywhere, we always give you lovely listeners a chance of winning a signed copy of a book. And this week we have that book we've just been ranting and raving over, The uh, Ocean Squids Explorers Club, first book of this new series. We're giving one of you guys the chance to win a signed copy of it. All you have to do is head over to Twitter, find us at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word, and send us a tweet with the hashtag SquidComp. SquidComp. Alongside this, we want to know, obviously, a lot of us have been locked down and the whole world is, you know, we're not getting out as much as we want. And we're talking about books about exploring far flung off places. So we want to know if you could explore anywhere in the world right now, where would you like to be? It could be uh, the, the oceans like Ursula looking for maybe the lost city of Atlantis. You could maybe want to go check out the, the North Pole. I mean, Alex, uh, if you could go anywhere right now, where would you like to go? Oh, it's such a tough one, isn't it? Um... I think I'd probably have to say Hawaii because the weather is just so oh. miserable here and it's so beautiful and warm in Hawaii. So yeah, I would definitely be going back to Oahu, I think. <laughs> oh, that's a good choice. I think, yeah, somewhere warm is definitely on yeah. the cards right now. Uh, but that's what uh, Alex thinks. Uh, what do you think? Like I said, if you want a chance of winning that signed copy, all you have to do is let us know where you'd like to go exploring with the hashtag SquidComp. Does that sound good, Alex? Sounds amazing. Sounds pretty amazing. And you've been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Oh, it's been so much fun. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us as always. Now, Alex, before you go, we just want to let our listeners know where they can find out a little bit more information about you and your books, websites, um, social medias, etc. cetera. Uh, yep. So my um, website is alex-bell.co.uk. And um, I think my Twitter, Facebook and um, Instagram are all um, at alex underscore bell 86. Fan fantastic okay so that is it for this week's show we hope to bring you another round of author interviews next week but until then i all have to say is take care stay safe and keep on reading <laughs>